from the studios of Postscript Media and Canary Media. Christopher Preston knows all about moral environmental quandaries. He teaches them. He's a professor of philosophy at the University of Montana, and his focus is on the relationship between humans and the planet. We talk a lot about climate change. We talk about collective responsibilities and pushing the envelope with new technologies, whether to be an early adopter or not. And, you know, we talk about how close to the center of the moral universe humans are and whether people should be thinking beyond that. As it turns out, Christopher is facing his own moral dilemma. What kind of truck or SUV should he buy to access the majestic Montana wilderness he loves so much? Spend a lot of time getting out, afternoons, days, cross-country skiing in winter, mountain biking in summer. I do some hunting in the fall. And so I definitely use the landscape. And so using the landscape in the ways I do requires a vehicle that's going to check all the boxes. Christopher currently drives a Honda CRV, but he's in the market for a new vehicle. He's an environmentalist, an outdoor enthusiast, and he really wants an all-electric model. But there are still a couple factors holding him back. Because of the price tag, and uh, we're a one, essentially a one-car household. If, if we were clearly a two-car household, having an EV in the garage would be a no-brainer. And then in the situations where we needed something more range or a different kind of capability, then we could just pull out the gas-powered car. But because we're essentially a one-car household, the EV has to check all the boxes. It can't just check half of them. And so that's been that's been kind of the sticking point. So it's a complicated decision for you then? It's complicated and it's, it's painful. The sort of moral urge is strong, but the question where I live is, what is the speed at which it can happen for people like me? But I, I still, to be honest, I'm kind of still at that edge, not quite ready to step my foot over the edge. This is The Carbon Copy. I'm Stephen Lacey. 2022 has been called the year of the electric truck. Ford, Chevy, GMC, Toyota, they're all building electric models of their most popular light-duty trucks. And they're hoping to spread EVs to a new class of drivers. But will their reservation lists turn into real sales? This week, a conversation with a driver and a dealer about how it may play out. The entire solar industry rests, both literally and figuratively, on a vulnerable material. That material is aluminum. It is one of the most carbon-intensive metals, with the bulk of its supply originating in China. But what if module frames made from domestic recycled steel replaced it? On May 30th, Latitude Media and Origami Solar will host a frontier forum that explores what would happen if the U.S. solar industry shifted from aluminum to recycled steel. We'll explore the impact on supply chains, costs, technical performance, and carbon emissions. This is a must-attend for anyone who cares about the domestic solar industry. Register for free by clicking the link in the show notes or go to latitudemedia.com slash events. So I didn't watch the Super Bowl this year, but I saw a lot of chatter on Twitter about all the electric vehicle commercials. Four years ago, there were 12 Super Bowl ads for cars, and none of them promoted EVs. This year, six out of seven car ads were for electric vehicles. Ladies and gentlemen, our takeover of General Motors is complete. Dr. Abel, we can now use GM's Ultium platform to power our whole operation. Now we can reduce tailpipe emissions. I'm sorry, am I no longer Dr. 
evil, I'm Dr. Good now. I didn't get the meme out. Climate change is arguably the number one threat to the world now. Dr. Evil. The big automakers are putting a lot of money into selling all-electric vehicles. And they're clearly banking on the fact that truck and SUV owners who watch the Super Bowl are going to be interested in them. And a recent survey from Ford backs this up. According to a nationwide poll, 40% of truck owners say they're interested in an electric model. But who is actually going to buy them? I mean, I'm probably in the category of someone who, who for whom this is a stretch, but with the right kind of little tip, I can be pushed over over the top and, and into the purchase of, of an EV. That's Christopher Preston from the top of the show. He's the professor with the moral dilemma. He may not fit the stereotype of a truck owner who hauls around gear to job sites, but he is actually the most common kind of light truck driver. A survey from the University of Michigan's Transportation Research Institute found that nearly 70% of drivers use their trucks primarily for leisure activities. And more people use trucks for outdoor recreation than for work. Christopher really wants to buy an electric truck for his mountain excursions. But Montana is a big state, it gets brutally cold in the winter, and he just can't get past the range and battery life issues. If Ford or Chevy can't hook Christopher, there's a good chance they'll face some hesitation with lots of other similar consumers. So I call them up to learn more about his thought process. If I had seven kids and I was spending most of my day driving them around between various soccer practices and and things, I would be looking at my vehicle usage in a very different way to how I do look at it. Just to give you an example of something that, that I would do in the winter, I would drive about 100, 120 miles, park the car, ski into a cabin, spend a night or two, come back out to the car and drive home. And, you know, those kinds of distances in these kinds of temperatures really push most current EVs to the limit. Charging infrastructure in Montana is thin. I think we have now 20 fast chargers across the whole state, but those fast chargers are on the main corridors. And so when you're getting out to a forest service cabin or something like that, you're unlikely to run into a fast charger. So last winter, my wife and I, everything we did in the winter, we took down the mileage and sort of tried to figure out where would that put us with an EV with this range. And then when you add the battery degradation in the cold, does it make it viable or not? And and that's been a, a consideration for sure. So you're driving down the back roads and you've got like a spreadsheet in hand and you're doing all the calculations, (laughs) thinking about battery degradation and miles to the next charger. (laughs) It's a little bit like that, but it's all going on up up in the brain cells. Still, your experience gets to the friction in the electric vehicle market generally. Costs have come down, performance has risen, but it's right on the edge. The price tag is just high enough for many consumers, even for those who feel like they have a strong moral obligation to invest in an electric vehicle. It feels like your experience is quite representative of a lot of buyers today. It could be. The the price tag is is right on the edge. The range is right on the edge. I mean, I would imagine if five or 600 miles was standard on an electric truck, I would feel much better about the kinds of things I want to do on the weekend. With two to 300 miles being standard, that pushes me right to the edge of what looks doable. What does this tell you about the feasibility of electric trucks in a state like Montana generally? I think there's a massive opportunity for people using the trucks for work in town. The Ford Lightning, for example, I mean, it, you know, if, if you're basically going to a couple of job sites, you're using tools at the job sites, you can plug them into your 
truck, then you can drive home and, and be home in 10 minutes. I think it's, it's a very strong case. And with the lower running costs, uh, it just starts to look extremely attractive. A lot of people who have such vehicles would on the weekends be driving 100 miles, hauling two snowmobiles to go play in the mountains. And that's, that factor changes the equation a little bit. If your vehicle is not just for work, but also for play on the weekends, that might bring in a whole different set of considerations to what you purchase. So have you made the final decision yet? We have made a decision to punt. I'm waiting for the infrastructure bill, the the Build Back Better, uh, to see what sorts of tax credits come. I'm keeping an eye on the technology, especially winter range. I love winter. I want to be outside in winter as much as possible. And so winter range is a really big consideration for me. And so we've decided what we have now is an interim vehicle. And we are looking to go electric. And we're just waiting for the right moment to take the plunge. This decision that Christopher is grappling with, it's a practical one. But it's also a psychological one. In 2018, Christopher published a book called The Synthetic Age. It's about how humans may use technology to radically reshape our environment. Molecular manufacturing using synthetic biology, geoengineering our atmosphere and oceans, resurrecting extinct species and disappearing ecosystems. And that future, of course, builds on our long history of using machines to control our environment. Christopher thinks that connection is fundamental to understanding how quickly technologies like electric trucks will take off. I used to work on a fishing boat up in Alaska, and I think about, I'm not much of a gearhead, but I think about the relationship I had to that big diesel engine. You know, when that diesel engine fired up, it meant warmth, it meant power, it meant safety, it meant a way to get home. And that kind of muscle memory and auditory cue uh, becomes part of your identity in, in a really significant way. And I think that is at play also with the big diesel trucks in many rural states is that engine kind of clanking away in the background, kind of chugging along. It's reassuring. It's, it sort of shows that, that you have what you, you need to do your job. And I think that gets inside of people and becomes part of you. And I think that piece is, is not spoken about very often in this discussion. It's all about performance and statistics and cost. And I think a little bit of time needs to be spent acknowledging that more psychological element of it and thinking about ways that that could be addressed. Well, Christopher, this was a really fantastic conversation. I wish you the best in your long-term vehicle selection process. Thank you, Stephen. It's much appreciated. After the break, a third-generation Ford dealer in rural Montana talks about the challenges of selling electric vehicles in the state. Mark your calendars for May 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern. That's when Latitude Media and Origami Solar will unveil new research on how recycled steel can help reinvigorate the U.S. solar industry. Why recycled steel? Well, the solar industry is dependent on imported aluminum for frames, leaving it vulnerable to geopolitics, supply disruptions, and higher-cost transportation. By switching from aluminum to recycled steel, solar producers can reduce greenhouse gas emissions and qualify for IRA domestic content incentives. Have questions about the shift to steel and the impact on supply chains? Join Latitude Media's Stephen Lacey, 
Origami Solar CEO Greg Patterson, and American Clean Power's MJ Shao for this live virtual event. Again, it's May 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Register for free at latitudemedia.com events or click the link in the show notes. Montana is the fourth biggest U.S. state in land area, and it ranks 44th in population. So there's a lot of space and not a lot of people, and definitely not a lot of electric vehicle chargers. I got in touch with a car dealer right in the middle of the state. My name is Whitney Olson, and I am the vice president of Bison Ford. We're a Ford dealership located in Great Falls, Montana, and I've been doing it for probably the past 19 years. Whitney is a third-generation Ford dealer. Her family's been selling cars in Montana for nearly a century. Her grandfather started Bison Ford in 1937. Leaded gasoline was the big fuel innovation around that time. Today, it's batteries. And Whitney is ready to embrace EVs. I wanted to know, how fast is electrification coming for a dealer like Bison Ford? If I were to come to you and ask for an electric truck or an electric Ford model, what would you tell me? So we have had electric vehicles available for sale, the Mustang Mach-E. They've delivered us three of those units to sell so far. We've taken orders for the Ford Lightning, which will be the new F-150 that's coming out. They also make a transit, uh, a big commercial van. Um, Those are very, very hard to come by, and I have not seen one of those yet either. You drive a a Mach-E, right? I do. I do. I drive the GT. What do you think of it? I love it. I absolutely love it. We got our first Mach-E in, and it needed to be here at the dealership for a certain number of months before we could sell it. And I drove it quite a bit then, sold it to a very good friend of mine. And before it was even out the door, I had my order in for my my Mach-E. It's got just under 2,000 miles on it, and I already have my second one ordered, um, and it's being built right now. Why do you like it? It's a ton of fun to drive. It gets around just fine in the snow. It was 19 below this morning when I left um, the house, and it, it handles great. It's the perfect amount of space that I need. You know, we've got two kids, two dogs. I, I can put everything in it that I could possibly want. And really, my driving is just back and forth to work. One of the hurdles in front of electric vehicle adoption is at the dealership level. Not every dealership is selling electric vehicle models. There's less incentive to get drivers in electric vehicles, but you've taken the initiative to sell EVs. You are an EV driver yourself. How do you see yourself in this cycle of electric vehicle adoption? You know, we're a conservative dealership in a conservative part of the United States, and it doesn't necessarily make sense to sell EVs just yet in Montana. We're getting there. The infrastructure is not where it should be for the drivers. But I think that when a manufacturer comes to you and says, here's a potential product line, you sort of have to get on board with that. I mean, you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know what sort of backing they're going to put behind it. You don't know what the consumers are going to end up wanting. And so to say, I'm not going to sign up for something could be very, very short-sighted. When consumers come into your dealership and you get a select few who are interested in electric models, what kind of person are they? When Ford very first gave us our first Mach-E, they wanted it to get into the hands of as many people as possible. So they wanted us to use it as a service loaner. They encouraged us to give it out to customers for overnight test drives. And the people that we saw in that situation were, I think, that next generation of 
car buyers that want to see what's going to be out there next, are they necessarily ready to pull the trigger on brand brand new technology? I think that sort of remains to be seen. It was the people that were interested at the very beginning are exactly who you would imagine walks into Costco and stops at that big bank of televisions and gets excited about what they see in front of themselves. And and I think that those are the folks that we saw at the very beginning. I think now the people that we're seeing are having more questions about how would I actually make this work for me? How do I buy an SUV that has a range of, let's say, 250 miles on it, but the place that I like to go on the weekends to go camping is... 180 miles one way. How is that going to work for me? And so I think now it's a lot more people asking, what would my lifestyle really look like if I purchase this this particular vehicle? Historically, electric vehicles have been wrapped up in political identities, but that's starting to change as they become more ubiquitous, as the performance gets better, as more kinds of consumers get into electric vehicles. Do you see that shifting? Do you see electric vehicles transcending traditional stereotypes and political boundaries? I would sure hope so. I think there was a time when you could look at a Prius in traffic and think to yourself, I know who's driving that vehicle. I don't know that that's really the case in Montana. Now, you know, is the guy that's driving a diesel F-350 with a modified exhaust and a bumper sticker with expletives about our president on the back of it going to change to a lightning owner? I don't think so. But I don't think that's about his politics. I think that's about how he wants to be seen. Truck owners are fiercely loyal consumers. What does a company like Ford need to do in order to convince those truck owners, a certain subset of those truck owners, to go electric? I think at this point, it would be hard to say that the electric truck buyer is definitely a Platinum F-150. I I think we're going to need options for work trucks in there. But on the flip side, I don't think that we can just leave it to work trucks. You know, I don't think that they can say, well, this truck is perfect for the plumber that just drives around town repairing people's faucets. We don't need to make it have the range for, you know, the weekend camper or the towing ability to take their boat to the lake. I think that one of the things that we've learned about F-150s is they need to cross a lot of sections of American truck driver. They need to appeal to a lot of different uses. It can't just be an early adopter truck. It's going to have to work in lots of different segments. Well, we'll let you get back to managing the dealership, and we're really grateful for your time. Thank you, Whitney. Thank you. I appreciate it. Whitney Olson is VP of Bison Ford in Great Falls, Montana. And we appreciated the accommodations she made for the conversation. What it's like right now is it's 19 below outside, and it has snowed, and so we are working on snow removal today. And um, we're in the middle of a service department remodel. And so they've graciously stopped sawing concrete this afternoon so we can do this interview. We also heard from Christopher Preston, a professor of philosophy at the University of Montana. He's also author of the book, The Synthetic Age. 
The Carbon Copy is a co-production of Postscript Media and Canary Media. Our producers are Jamie Kaiser, Dalvin Abouage, Daniel Waldorf, Alexandria Herr, and Anne Bailey is our editor. Sean Marquand mixed the episode and composed our theme. Original music came from Blue Dot Sessions and Echo Finch. Thanks to Canary Media, as always, for being our distribution partner. Go check out all of Canary's great journalism at canarymedia.com. And you can find all our podcasts there as well. And give us a rating and review if you get a chance. It helps us find new listeners. Thanks for being here. I'm Stephen Lacey. This is The Carbon Copy. Carbon Copy.